Hey, what's up? It's Paul Oren here at Union Street Hoops. I'm not going to do the whole full intro thing. This wasn't a scheduled episode of Union Street Hoops, but you can find the podcast on NWI.com and all over the internet. And you can find me on Twitter at NWI Oren. A lot of news coming in. Good news. Capigal has committed to Valpo, the former Kansas State player. And when I say that, that's really just the moniker you give because that's the biggest program that he was at. He never actually played at Kansas State. I'll talk about his journey here in a second. And then later on in this uh, abbreviated episode of Union Street Hoops, Brian Bender, the head coach at Southwest Mississippi Community College, is going to hop on and talk a little bit about good news and what it was uh, like to coach him and his journey and all of that. And then uh, minutes ago, as a matter of fact, Javon Freeman Liberty just announced, I'm coming home. He's going to DePaul. And uh, that was, uh, you know, it was a thought that it was going to be a school back in Chicago. He had tweeted out when all this went down that he, there was a family situation. I don't know what that is with his grandmother, but he wanted to be closer to home. I imagine uh, it made sense to to pick something. You're only going to get a waiver to play immediately if you go closer to home. And, uh, and you know, from Chicago, Whitney Young High School, Javon Freeman Liberty going back to Chicago, uh, felt like uh, it was it was going to move fast from what was going on. Matter of fact, Javon was uh, was hosting some Q and A on Instagram yesterday, and the first question was, "Are you going to DePaul?" And his answer was no. And uh, matter of fact, Good News Capigal also hosting a Q and A on. Uh, on Instagram yesterday, and actually he was the one doing the asking of the questions, not the answering, and he asked, what number should I wear next year in college, zero or double zero? Nice savage move right there from uh, from good news. So uh, let's talk about Javon again for a second. Uh, leaving the program, matter of fact, uh, yesterday on Thursday when I'd gotten wind of what was going on with the commitment, although it was not, and I'll tell that story here in a second, I tweeted out that that there might be some good news coming today because I like the English language and I like a play on words. And uh, and a lot of Alpo fans, eh, not a lot, a couple, uh, immediately tweeted back and saying, Javon's coming back. And uh, I just, you know, I, it's, it's done. It's over. The Javon Freeman Liberty era has come to an end at Valpo. I had a great conversation with Daniel Sackey earlier in the week I'd asked, uh, when all this news broke, I thought, well, I want to talk to a player. I want to talk to somebody that can let us know kind of what what they're thinking. And Saki is, you know, I, I could have easily went to Malik, um, but Saki is someone who is, uh, is, it's always kind of fun to talk to, and he kind of tells it the way that it is. And so we got Daniel on the phone earlier this week, and he said, look, Javon told us, you know, he and, and Daniel did say he was surprised did say that he thought that uh, Javon would stay in the draft, not transfer somebody somewhere else. What Daniel said was he thought that Javon would either stay in the draft or come back to Valpo for one more year and then go to the draft. Uh, What's curious to see is if Javon, by going to DePaul, and if he has to sit out a year, I mean, he could get a family waiver, but if he has to sit out a year, does does he stay at DePaul then? And, and, you know, because... Can you go to Valpo? You can come back to Valpo, play, and then declare for the draft again and maybe go as opposed to now you take a year off maybe unless they think the family waiver is in the bag. I I don't know because it sounds like the NCAA is not going to 
they just said earlier this week they're voting or they're going to recommend against this one-time transfer exemption, which I think will be voted on here later on in in the month of May. So, you know, Daniel had some some good things to say, and he wished Javon well and, and said congratulate him on his success here at Valpo and hope he does well in the future and, and all of that. Um, right now, as we know, Valpo's not slated to play DePaul next year. It's, there's been no talk of that game happening. I remember I laughed when, uh, when someone had suggested UIC was going to be a possibility for Javon as uh, as that w- seems like a game that w- you know Valpo's going to play them from what we're he- hearing this year and uh, Chicago State was obviously again we are looking at what schools could Javon transfer to that are closer to home and Chicago State I think is going to be on the schedule again for Valpo Loyola is obviously on the schedule uh, but Northwestern and DePaul are not and DePaul is the call for Javon Freeman Liberty and you know again I I understand the the smarting of Alpo fans who are frustrated by the process, but you know it's clear the kid wanted to go back closer to home, and again he wants to play at a higher level. And I guess yeah, obviously the Big East is a higher level. You can argue whether or not DePaul is a better program than really like most programs. Um, I don't know a lot about DePaul, right? I really don't. So, uh, but. You know, good luck uh, to, to Javon Freeman Liberty. And now we move on to good news, Capigal. And, you know, again, got the word yesterday. It was coming down, um, some rumblings that were out there. I reached out to his high school coach and kind of got confirmation that it was happening, although it was not necessarily hard and fast confirmation. And uh, so I tweeted out that there there might be some good news coming. And Lord, was that a fun tweet to send out. And just to see the reactions from people think Javon's going to come back. People think Fazekas was going to get like a 30th year of eligibility and uh, and all of that. It was just really, it was, a, it was a fun day. But I sent that tweet out fully expecting that he was officially committed already and was just about to tweet something out. And uh, so I knew that he was coming. Uh, from, you know, what I'd heard, uh, but I didn't, like, there's a difference between knowing something and having something, right? It's one of the tricky things about being a reporter is knowing something and having something solid. And so I knew it, but I didn't have it. And uh, so, I, you know, if you don't if you don't have it, you can't go with it. And this is why I think a lot of people don't have trust in the media because, you know, you either you know it or you have it. And, uh, and, and I didn't, I didn't, I knew it, but I didn't have it. And, but I also, you know, I, I, have this is a competition. This is a game, right? You know, uh, I've got competitors that I got to go up against and people that I enjoy uh, working alongside and everything like that. And, but, you know, you, you don't want to tip those people off either. So I made a point not to follow good news on Twitter because I, uh, you know, I don't want to tip off anybody, right? You know, it's just a sly game that we play here. And so uh, I, I finally got a hold of him. I, I, I tracked down a number and I got a hold of him and we talked last night and uh, we had a great conversation. And I, and I said, you know, from the, from the jump, we kind of, I kind of said, are you announcing today? And he said, I, I'm going to announce tomorrow. And I said, are we on the record? Are we, what, what's the deal here? And he said, can you please hold off saying anything until I announce? And again, it, you know, it's, you want to give the kids their moment, I guess, right, to get the news out there. And, and so all I needed to do was to be ready 
uh, the second that he said anything, right? Um, and, and, and get that news out there. And, you know, I guess maybe you can look back and forth on it. I think a lot of people would, uh, you know, I mean, I guess when something is embargoed, you, you go with it there. So anyways, uh, I, I didn't follow him on Twitter because I don't want to clue anybody in. You guys would have figured out as soon as I follow someone named Good News exactly what the tweet was about. And, and, and there you go. So, um, you know, was I uh, was I refreshing his Twitter page quite a bit to see what was going on? Absolutely, I was, and uh, and that was you know that was a thing. And so um, I kind of every ten minutes was going back to his page, and then sometime uh, Friday afternoon I went to his page, and there he had tweeted it out thirty six seconds earlier, and uh, you know I had uh, a a file on my computer of a bunch of ready-made tweets that I just copied and pasted in and fired away. And there we go. The story was written already. It got sent in, got posted online. And, and that's, there you go. If, if you ever cared about the, uh, the inner workings of how a story gets, uh, online, there you go. I hope that, uh, you appreciated that little journey into this whole thing. So, um, so it was a great conversation with good news yesterday when I talked to him and, uh, and again, I, I heard when I talked to him, I heard from a guy who was tired of the recruiting process, right? He's got such an interesting journey, and you're going to hear about that in a little bit from Coach Bender from Southwest Mississippi. But going to a uh, prep, going to Kansas State, going to a JUCO, and then finally finding a home. And a lot of schools had looked at him, and I mentioned this in the uh, the interview with with Bender, but uh, Grand Canyon was one of them. Now he was offered, from what I understand, by Grand Canyon under the Dan Marley regime, not the Bryce Drew regime. I think I imagine that when when Bryce took over, I would think that everybody on the staff would you know communicate with the guys that had been offered already and kind of you know circle back on that. So I don't know if there was any continuing conversation there but it sounds like uh, he was offered maybe in November by the uh, the previous staff looks like a, a a solid shooting guard 66 shooting guard was ranked by 24/7 sports as a a top 75 player at his position coming out of high school was a uh, right on the fringe of qualifying from what it looks like. And he, he went to that prep, then he went to Kansas State. And he actually had full eligibility at Kansas State. He went there middle of the year, had full eligibility, but uh, he decided to sit out. And I don't know if there was some health things or they'd already had their roles established at that point. So he was on the team that ultimately won the Big 12 uh, conference tournament, I believe. And then, um, you know, a couple couple weeks after the season ended, decided that he was going to transfer and then landed at Southwest Mississippi, which Coach Bender here in a little bit gives us a really good view into how JUCO works, particularly in, in Mississippi, where things are just a little bit different down there. So that fills out Valpo's roster for the 2020-2021 season, and that's just going to be a, a crazy thing to say all the time. Uh, Twenty-one, the 2021 season um, is, is what you're going to see there. So, uh, you know, he, he slots into the backcourt there. You know, I imagine you're going to see if if I'm if I'm starting putting a starting lineup together right now, Saki and Robinson are our starters in the backcourt, and then I think Cricky and Clay, and then McMillan. I think that's your starting five opening night for Valpo right now. And uh, obviously, Ognosovic, uh, Connor Barrett, and Sheldon Edwards Jr. are all coming in as well. 
and as well as now a, a Capigal, and then you've got uh, a handful of other guys that are are you know you've got Aaron Gordon possibility I suppose um, as well as you know Siggy Lorang and, and coming back from from his injury and then you've got a meal and uh, I think I've I've gone through a lot of them um, you know I just roster turn oh, Zion Morgan as well obviously on the, Zion Morgan will be back and then you've got the three walk-ons with uh, Brock Pappas Luke Morrill and Stephen Helm. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. I've, I've seen some words, some talk out there about, um, you know, we're so, we're so far away from knowing what life is going to look like by November, but the idea that maybe travel parties are going to be limited and, and all of that, um, you know, I wonder what, what role walk-ons will have. I, I think we're far away from a lot of that stuff right now, but I've, you know, I'm just talking about articles that I've, I've read out there about football travel parties being greatly diminished. And will we even have football? I just, I don't know here as, uh, as governor Eric Holcomb has just released a, uh, a five point five phase plan. I think that I have not really dove into quite yet, but it looks like July 4th is, uh, is you know obviously uh, a time that you hope that maybe best case scenario everything is back. Well, that still leaves us several months before the start of of athletics. You know, uh, in terms of, of of all of that, and certainly a couple months even more to to basketball. So, um, well, that's what we've got now. Again, this is a quick half hour episode, and maybe even less than that of uh, of Union Street Hoops. I want to turn it over now to my conversation with uh, Coach Bender, and uh, we'll be back next week. I've got some interesting. Interesting interviews that I'm trying to line up here as uh, as we get to the end of this uh, this uh, academic year, at least. And you know, Saki had, had told me that he's on campus. A couple of guys are on campus. They're playing outdoors, and and we'll see kind of uh, how things continue here as we move into the summer. Normally, this would be a time that the uh, the freshmen would be showing up, and I, I don't know when they're going to get here if if at all, and, and and we'll see all of that. So uh, a lot of uh, moving parts here, especially this week. Javon Freeman-Liberty to DePaul. Good news, Capigal to Valpo. And here is Coach Bender. We're joined now by Southwest Mississippi Community College coach Brian Bender. Coach, thank you very much for taking the time. It's a crazy Friday here with, uh, with the news coming out about good news committing to Valpo. It's been a whirlwind week for the Crusaders, losing one of their top players who just – minutes ago committed to DePaul and minutes before that good news uh, committed to to Valpo um coach thanks for joining just your thoughts when you saw the news uh, about this all shaking out for uh, for good news yeah so obviously you guys had a little bit of bad news but you know, now you get some good news so that's good good headline for you guys does uh, uh no, does, does the play on words i imagine like every time you'd win a game there'd be like you'd want to use that pun or something like that i'm does he have a you good name whenever you want to use it so some days he was great news some days he was good news sometimes he was okay news it just depended on the day but um you know the kid's journey is amazing uh when you take it from full circle for him but you know that he's been recruited four times by a variety of every single level of Division One, and um, you know he was a weight qualifier out of high school. He went to North St. Paul in Minnesota, and his high school coach is kind of unique. So how it's connected is um, is Damian Johnson. Damian Johnson played at the University of Minnesota, um, but he was from kind of near this area, typical Louisiana, about two hours from us. And Damian was his high school coach his senior year, and actually played overseas. 
um, with Coach Waddick. Yeah, and Damian so, was the uh, I think the third all-time shot blocker in Minnesota history. Uh, I, yeah. I remember watching. I'm from Wisconsin. I remember watching him battle up against John Luer of the Badgers, and uh, and I know that Damian spent some time in the summer league, and then had a good pro career. Went over to Japan and played with Matt Lodick. Yeah, so it's full circle. But I was actually so me and Damian came in together as freshmen. So I went to the University of Minnesota as well. And I was a student manager, and so was with Damien for five years. And, you know, he, he was a redshirt. So, you know, was a manager, and then I was a GA uh, for Tubby Smith there. But um, how it kind of all comes together. So I recruited Damien out of high school a little bit because he was a borderline qualifier. Um, ended up not getting him, and he ended up getting some offers over the summer, played in the summit, summer circuit, and uh, ended up going to a prep school in Florida called TaylorMade. And uh, went there for a semester and then ended up going to Kansas State. And so he went to Kansas State and, yeah, had a few minor health issues. And um, they were in the middle of their championship run. And I think, you know, he needed to mature a little bit off the floor. But there were some things. But he ended up going junior college, um, transferred out of there. And, you know, he had a, a big task. And what I'm most proud for him is, you know, his ability off the floor, especially in the classroom. Uh, as a 424, they call him, they, they have to graduate. And so that's been the biggest challenge. So he's taken abundance of hours here. Uh, they took at Kansas State and then here um, for the two semesters here. So and he's actually taking some online classes somewhere else. So they're piecing them all together to uh, get him graduated and um, get him eligible for Valpo. And so they were actually recruiting one of our other guards this past summer, but weren't really sure what they were going to need or if they were going to have a scholarship available. And, uh, you know, in the last week or so, you know, since the transfer came out, um, they kind of, you know, looking for a guy that could put in the basket. And that's what good news is. He's, he's a guy who's been wired to score his whole life. And, uh, you know, that's what he can do. He averaged 12 and a half a game for us. And, you know, as a true freshman who hadn't played a lot, you know, in terms of games at this level, um, it's, it's pretty impressive. And, you know, he fixed a lot of things. Um, you know, he's healthy now and he's, he's come a long way, but he's a high major athlete that can put in the basket. I think he played 24 games for you guys. In the first 20 games, he had eight three-pointers. In the last four games, he had eight three-pointers. Did he get just more confident, or was that just uh, down the stretch of the season shooting the ball? Yeah, I think it's you know it's a combination of things. He put in the time. You know, he was always in the gym at nighttime. But you know, sometimes what really happened for him, especially in the second semester, is you know he's wired score, wired score. When he get it, he was looking to score. It was it wasn't just him; it was our whole team. And so, you know, we, he learned how to be a better teammate. He learned how to be, you know, score within our offense. He learned how to, you know, score in transition. And, you know, it obviously helps when you shoot a poor percentage. And from a scouting perspective, they're going to look at it and be like, oh, he can't shoot. But he actually, you know, shoots it pretty well. And I think he shot 35% from the three, uh, which is very good, um, you know, at any level. So, you know, he's able to shoot it in and, uh, and, you know, continue to work at it and got better at his game and as, it, as it got along. You know, this is a, a challenging question at, on all levels of basketball. I don't care if it's middle school, high school, college, pro, or whatever. But certainly at JUCO, it feels like you've got guys that are coming through there that want to make a name for themselves versus, you know, the coach that's probably saying, guys, we got 12 people on the team. We all need to work together and everything like that. How do you how do you balance that, not just with good news, but with, with anything at the JUCO level of trying to say, hey, guys, we want to get you that D1 scholarship? And, and you know, I, I ask this because 
I worship at the altar of Last Chance U. I love that show, and I know that that that's you know the first couple seasons of that football wise were close to your neck of the woods. There, I've been to EMCC before. Uh, just your thoughts on how to how to bring together a team of guys who are are all aiming to get to maybe the next level. Yeah, so there's a couple things that kind of go along with it, and I'll kind of dip into a little bit of our culture here, but. You know, for our program in the state of Mississippi, we have a requirement that says you have to have a certain amount of kids from the state of Mississippi on our team. And so uh, we have 12 kids from Mississippi and three from outside. Um, Good news is one of those kids that came from the outside, you know, being a Minnesota resident. But, you know, when you bring all these people in, they come from a various of, of backgrounds, especially in junior college. You know, every kid's goal is to, you know, use junior college as a stepping stone to get them to where they want to be. And so, you know, your future is nothing to gamble with. Potential means you haven't done it yet. And for a kid like Good News coming in, um, he had to learn that a little bit. And you have so many guys that came from different places. And, you know, what they've learned over time is that if you can do the right things off the floor and you can, you know, learn how to be a better person, you can learn how to continue to work hard and give max effort and, and a great attitude and be focused every day when you come to work and, um, you know, put in the time at nighttime, there's not a lot to do here in Southwest Mississippi and, and Summit. So, you know, it's, it's books and ball for these kids. And, you know, we've been very fortunate to have a program that has, you know, put a lot of players out here in recent, the last three years, we've had 14 division one players and we still have a couple unsigned kids right now uh, that will sign division one. We've had the highest GPA in the country. Uh, each of the last five years, we've been first or second in the country. Um, and so we get the high character kids that want to go on to the next level and they understand that if, you know, the team eats, we're going to eat. So, you know, it's one of those concepts where, you know, it's all about the ship, but it's also championships and scholarships. And we, we use our culture to try and, you know, get guys to understand and reap the benefits of junior college basketball where you can go through some growing pains, make some mistakes, you know, go through those freshman mistakes that you make or sophomore mistakes. And then when you get to that next level, you have higher success rate um, there. So, you know, you're coming in as a sophomore or junior to be an impact player, not just be another guy. And I think good news can be that for Valpo and and coach. And um, he will be our uh, seventh freshman to sign Division I in the last few years from our program, which actually leads the United States. So we've been doing it quite a bit here. Um, It's worked out really well for our guys. And, you know, getting wins and we continue to build our program and have a good class coming in. I had a chance to talk to good news last night, as a matter of fact, and, uh, and, uh, and, and kind of told him that I would hold off on, uh, on saying anything until he announced it. He, he'd ask, he asked me to do that. And, uh, but I asked him to take me through the recruiting process a little bit. And he said that he was really appreciative that Matt Loddick talked to him directly and that a lot of coaches, a lot of programs, it's an assistant that reaches out. And then he said he really liked the zoom call that he had because Valpo said they they opened it up to have both Damian and you on on the Zoom call, I believe. Uh, Recruiting is so odd right now with not being able to be on campus or anything like that. Kind of take me through from your perspective what you saw from Valpo during the whole, uh, you know, we're we're quarantining right now, so it's hard to have a lot of one-on-one interaction in person. But what did you see from the presentation? Yeah, we've – the cool thing about junior college as a coach is that you not only get to recruit, but you get recruited. And so we had over 100 Division One coaches in our gym over the course of the year and recruiting our different guys. And so you hear a lot on the phone and you hear a lot of, you know, graphics and, and different things and how people recruit. Some are assistants. Some head coaches are really involved in the recruiting process. And so, you know, for Valpo, you know, you could just tell that they're very genuine people. So I know Coach Bowen a little bit from his Bemidji days. And, you know, Coach Rob, I, I've gotten to know him a little bit. 
um, and just over the last two years recruiting some of our guys. But, you know, they, they did a phenomenal job of just kind of laying everything out there in simple form. Some coaches over-talk, some coaches, like, you know, just word vomit on different players, and they can only handle so much. And I think they are very simple in their approach, and good news has gone through that so many times that, you know, he was able to ask the right questions, and they are very simple and matter-of-fact. And he could tell, you know, by – you ask a kid who's helping you with your decision, and he says, hey, Coach Bender and Coach Damian Johnson, they did exactly what you should do. They recruited those two people. And, you know, we felt trustworthy with them, and, you know, a good trust was built um, for the kid. And, and he's been led along from a lot of different places. And so finding a place where he felt comfortable, where he could grow not only as a player but as a man, um, is something that they preached to him. And they showed him a lot of stuff with style of play. At the end of the day, he's going there to play basketball, and we all know that. But he – I think he really fits in what they try and do and their pace of play. He's an athlete. He wants to get out and transition. They, they, he can use his length and athleticism on the defensive end where he drastically improved this year to help create offense. Um, he, he mastered, you know, being able to make shots and, you know, he's got a unique mid range game. So it'd be interesting to see how they use that to their advantage. But you know, some of the stuff that they were showing uh, with ball screens and different cut screens and, you know, different misdirection stuff where he's able to get to the basket and get to the rim and get to the free throw line where real scores get their averages boosted um, is what he will be able to do there. And I think he was just happy with that. And they have a good presentation in the campus and, um, you know, the cost of attendance and, you know, with some Pell Grant and, you know, different things with housing. Like, it's a really good situation for any kid at a mid-major level to have everything that they want. And um, I think that it checked every box for him and he felt comfortable. And at the end of the day, that's what he was looking for. He had offers from a, a lot of mid-major programs throughout. Looked like uh, Buffalo, Hofstra, Eastern Michigan just came on board recently. South Dakota, Morgan State. I saw Grand Canyon at one point, and I think that may have been before Bryce Drew took over, but I imagine that they were still looking at him as well. So uh, uh, I know Valpo fans are excited for, and I'll say it one more time, for the good news. So, yeah. uh, Coach Bender, thank you very much for taking the time and uh, and hope you guys are staying safe and healthy down there. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, you know it, it'll, it'll be good for good news to get up there. And he's, he's excited about it. And at the end of the day, you want players that want to be there, and I think that's what they're getting with him.